Hello, and welcome back to the 46 Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Ben Link, president of 46 Brooklyn Research and a pharmacist fed up with fake artificially inflated drug prices. Today is the third episode in our ongoing Drug Pricing 101 series. As a reminder, the goal of our Drug Pricing 101 series is to introduce the core concepts of the U.S. drug supply chain to hopefully foster a better understanding of the data available at 46brooklyn.com and the system as a whole. As with any educational endeavor, I've attempted to present the information in a logical manner to hopefully ease understanding. However, I want to recognize and acknowledge that everyone learns differently. To that end, if you have questions or comments regarding these materials, please reach out to us on our website. Your comments and questions will only make our content better. On our last episode, we started the conversation around the drug supply chain by looking at its direct primary participants from the lens of the actual drug product, which as a reminder, we defined as the drug manufacturer, the drug wholesaler, the pharmacy, and the patient. We then identified that when it comes to having a conversation around drug pricing, context is everything because any given drug in the United States has at least nine different price points that we may be talking about when we say, quote unquote, drug pricing. We then spent a considerable amount of time talking about drug prices set by drug manufacturers, including average sales price, ASP, average manufacturer price, AMP or AMP, and wholesale acquisition cost or WAC. And while we were able to identify a role that each of those prices play in our current drug supply chain, the role of each is relatively small and not really impactful to the price that people or insurers pay for prescription drugs. Rather, the majority of the cost we pay can in some way, shape, or form be traced back to a pricing benchmark known as average wholesale price, or AWP. Note that despite its name, AWP is not an average of anything and does not reflect an actual wholesale transaction price in any way, shape, or form, as will become clearer throughout today's conversation. For this reason, drug pricing nerds like myself often refer to AWP as ain't what's paid. But again, while it may be true that AWP ain't what's paid directly, as we will sadly learn, it's true that AWP is the foundation underlying the fake inflated prices we pay for drugs in this country. To begin our conversation around AWP, I think it's important to recall that at some level, federal regulations define how ASP, AMP, and WAC are calculated by drug manufacturers. And while we may know that a WAC price set by a drug manufacturer has little basis in reality because it doesn't include any rebates or other discounts we know drug manufacturers are giving, we still have another fake non-real price we're relying upon when we pay for prescription drugs, and that is AWP. Before we dive into why that is the case, let us take a moment and define how AWP is calculated and review the history of AWP. As a pricing benchmark, AWP may be determined in one of several 
different methods. Again, there is no standard that defines how this is done. The first method is the drug manufacturer may report the AWP to the individual publisher of drug pricing data, known as a drug reference file or drug compendious source. There are several sources for published AWPs. At 46 Brooklyn, several of our dashboards rely upon Elsevier's gold standard drug database, which is just one of the available compendious sources. The AWP may also be calculated by the publisher based upon a markup specified by the manufacturer that is applied to the WAC or wholesale acquisition cost, a price we've already discussed, or direct price or DIRP. Recall that pharmacies typically buy their drugs from wholesalers, such as Amerisource Virgin, Cardinal Health, or McKesson. The wholesale acquisition cost is the manufacturer's list price of the drug when sold to the wholesaler, while the direct price is the manufacturer's price when sold to non-wholesalers. WAC is the most common benchmark used today by pharmacies to buy drugs from wholesalers. Today, typically a 20% markup is applied to the manufacturer-supplied WAC or direct price, which will result in the AWP figure. And the origins of AWP can be traced all the way back to Medicaid, the California Medicaid program to be precise, which during the 1960s developed AWP as a way to standardize drug reimbursement. Historically, data was collected from drug wholesalers to inform AWP. However, AWP evolved over time into a value calculated based upon information supplied by drug manufacturers. Said differently, we have had a problem for a long time, since at least the 1960s, in determining what a fair price is to pay for drugs. And AWP was one of our first attempts at standardizing this process. Over time, many other groups, such as commercial insurers and other state Medicaid programs, followed California's lead and began relying upon AWP as the basis of a pharmacy. Over time, many other groups, such as commercial insurers and other state Medicaid programs, followed California's lead and began relying upon AWP as the basis of pharmacy drug reimbursements. It got to the point that at least prior to 1984, most state programs used 100% of AWP as the basis for drug acquisition cost, according to a government report. Why 1984? Well, that was the year that the Office of the Inspector General, or OIG, published a report which found that on average, pharmacies were buying drugs for 15% or more below AWP. A few years later, in 1989, the findings of that report would be confirmed. To be fair here, these reports were largely the first insights offered into the fake relationship between AWP and pharmacies' actual prices. It is easy for us now, in hindsight, to see how a pricing benchmark like WAC, which is already a fake sticker price, is at least a better pricing benchmark than AWP, which is a fake markup to a fake price. In 1989, CMS issued a revision to the state Medicaid manual, which pointed out that a preponderance of evidence demonstrated that AWP overstated prices that pharmacies actually paid for drugs by as much as 10 to 20%. That same manual 
further provided that absent valid documentation to the contrary, it would not be acceptable for a state program to make reimbursements using AWP without a significant discount. In 1997, the OIG issued separate reports on the actual acquisition cost of brand name and generic medications. The 1997 report was based on a comparison of approximately 20,000 invoice prices for brand name products and 9,000 invoice prices for generics. The report showed average discounts of 18% below AWP for brands and 42% below AWP for generics. These are important benchmark dates because they begin to demonstrate one of the key takeaways I think you should have when we talk about AWP. And that is, over time, AWP becomes a worse and worse predictor of actual drug cost. And yet, despite these reports highlighting the growing disconnect between AWP and actual drug cost, AWP continued to be the basis of how drugs were and continued to be paid for in this country. This is because the publishers of drug pricing information, those previously referenced drug reference files, sell these published AWPs to the government and other payers, which in turn use those values to set reimbursement formulas to pharmacies. Because AWP is a component of the formulas used to determine reimbursement, elevated AWP numbers can drastically increase the dollar amount that government, private insurance programs, and consumers with coinsurance must pay for drugs. However, that provides a good transition into the next historical moment associated with AWP. And that is a 2006 lawsuit between payers for prescription drugs as plaintiffs and the drug compendia and wholesalers as defendants. It doesn't take a mastermind to figure out that if everyone is making money off of this artificial pricing benchmark due to it being the basis of contracts determining reimbursement, then if the AWP number goes up, the members of the drug supply chain stand to make more money. And that is exactly what was alleged when McKesson, the largest drug wholesaler, was accused of conspiring with the drug publishing company First Data Bank, or FDB, to fraudulently inflate the widely used AWP figures. The suit alleged that McKesson and FDB increased the AWP spread between WAC and AWP from 20 to 25% beginning in 2001. This allowed retail clients to reap larger profits at the expense of consumers and third-party payers, such as insurance companies. By 2004, nearly every common prescription drug enjoyed a 25% spread between the two benchmarks. As part of the settlement, the insurance companies, retailers, and others admitted their reliance upon AWP to calculate purchase price of drugs payments, and co-payments of the most common prescription medications. FDB, for its part, agreed to stop publishing AWP in 2011 as part of the settlement. In addition, many brand manufacturers stopped reporting AWP altogether. Rather, they reported something called Suggested Wholesale Price, or SWP, which is functionally equivalent to AWP. If a manufacturer doesn't report an AWP or SWP, 
as is again the case with brands fairly often, then the value will be calculated by the drug compendia, which slaps a 20% markup on top of the WAC. And again, if there's not a WAC price, they will simply multiply by yet again another pricing benchmark direct price by that same 20% markup. The calculation for SWP would seem very familiar because it's exactly what was and is the one for AWP. So why the reliance on AWP for pricing drugs? That is the multi-billion dollar question. After these lawsuits, many drug pricing pundits at the time predicted it would be the death of AWP. Additional lawsuits were filed and successful in clawing back money related to AWP shenanigans. And yet, the majority of plan sponsor contracts today continue to rely upon AWP to pay for drugs. To be clear, a contract between an insurer and a pharmacy benefit manager, PBM, whom the insurer relies upon to process claims and will be discussed when we talk about indirect drug supply chain participants, establish how much the insurer will pay for prescription drugs filled for its plan's members, and in turn, how much those members will pay to get those drugs. Within those contracts, the agreed-to payment rate is overwhelmingly based upon a discount to AWP, even though we are decades removed from the knowledge that AWP is a fake pricing benchmark that becomes even more fake over time. And we are more than a decade removed from the late 2000 lawsuits regarding AWP price manipulation, which resulted in those same insurers overpaying for drugs. To be clearer, there are some organizations that have moved to other pricing benchmarks than AWP, but they are sadly the minority, not the majority. In our next episode, we will move away from drug pricing benchmarks related to the drug manufacturer and begin to explore drug pricing benchmarks associated with wholesalers and pharmacies. As before, I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in to our next episode. The 46 Brooklyn podcast would like to thank McGowan Braybender for the use of their facilities in recording our podcast. We'd also like to thank Ben at Journeyman Productions for assistance with our music and sound. As a reminder to our listeners, if you're curious about any of the materials discussed on today's episode, additional information can always be found on 46brooklyn.com.